Thank you for joining me today. This is Colin Hamilton, Commodities Analyst at BMO Capital Markets. And welcome to our short Metals Matters podcast where we highlight the key things you need to know in global metals and mining this week. There's a lot of concern around metals and bulk commodity markets at the moment. That's not actually unusual for this time of year when industrial demand typically starts to drop away. The elevated level of global risk we are seeing at the moment is clearly good for gold and the precious metals, but on the industrial side, even the great copper consensus seen year-to-date is starting to see signs of cracks. It's fair to say the level of visibility into the demand cycle into the second half is extremely low. And at such times, metals markets typically look to China for guidance. Unfortunately, at the moment, the China guidance speaker is giving a lot of feedback. Mixed is the word of the moment when it comes to data. For every good data point, there is also a bad one. Take this week as an example. Early indications for April electric vehicle sales were extremely strong, up over 80% year on year. Excavator sales, however, typically a reasonable barometer of infrastructure and construction, dropped 24% on April 2022 levels. Property completions are improving. Land acquisitions are weak, the pipeline's not being replenished. The Beijing government remains confident that the credit pumped into the system at the start of the year will eventually yield results, but for commodities the challenge has been that while Chinese domestic output has been extremely strong, whether for copper, steel, air conditioners, refined oil products, you name it, domestic sales have not matched this, leading to both inventory build and stronger exports. Some of this, such as the record auto exports, relates to China's leadership in this area and growing international market share. Others, such as steel and copper exports, are a return to exporting deflation to international markets. To be clear, it's not been a horrendous year for China's underlying metals demand. We should calculate China's real copper demand to be up about 0.4% year-on-year over January to April, aluminium up about 1.3%, steel up 5% and zinc up a similar amount. This has, though, not matched the expectations from China's domestic producers. Basically, too much production, and that probably needs to be cut. Given the situation, we'd expect some further support for China's industrial demand and the property sector in order to tide the economy over until the consumer gains more confidence. If this doesn't happen, well, we may need to see more supply-side adjustment as the year progresses. The past six months have been horrible ones for the cobalt market and that sentiment was echoed in Istanbul this week where the annual Cobalt Institute Congress was held. Reports from those present suggest attendees were down on last year's levels, conference was low and price projections were quite frankly dire. Ahead of the event, the Cobalt Institute released its Cobalt Market 2022 which highlights key market information from last year. It shows that Last year, cobalt demand grew by 13% year-on-year to a new record of 187,000 tonnes, with electric vehicles now accounting for 40% of total demand. With the weakness in portable electronics, NCM battery demand exceeded that for lithium cobalt oxide for the first time. That's so far, so good. The EV mark is clearly still a positive for cobalt, despite cathode chemistry changes. On the supply side, however, Mine output surged 21% year-on-year to almost 200,000 tonnes, with growth in small-scale output in the Democratic Republic of Congo to the fore. And moreover, Indonesia is now the second-largest cobalt producer globally, 5% of global supply only. But given the investments still going into nickel-cobalt deposits, this is only going to grow over the coming years. Already, cobalt and mixed 
hydroxide precipitates now makes up 20% of China's imports, and the Indonesian government is pushing for even more of this product. Cobalt remains a unique market with a dominant position. China has over three quarters of global refined production and over 90% of cobalt chemical production. The Democratic Republic of Congo, 73% of global mine supply, and batteries, well over half of demand. Such concentrations are a natural risk in commodity markets, hence the ongoing thrifting of cobalt and cathode chemistries, and this problem could become even more pertinent later this decade as recycling kicks in. Pace of turnaround in cobalt fundamentals relative to this time last year really has been dramatic, and serves as a warning to material needs for the battery industry as a whole. Speaking of conferences and industry events, next week sees the annual London Platinum Week, which will see key industry players flock to London to discuss the latest developments, not only in platinum, but invariably PGM markets more broadly. We'll be attending several of the events of the week, and we'd expect some lively discussions given the heightened level of both near- and long-term uncertainty. So what will and won't be discussed, in, in our view at least, well, let's start with the most obvious. Everyone will be talking about how global auto sales will unfold this year, with the recent weakness in China ICE vehicle sales likely to be top of the agenda. We'll be interested to hear if the industry thinks this is simply related to a cycle around emission standard changes or whether it represents something more structural. Another staple discussion point over recent years has been the increased substitution away from palladium and gasoline vehicle autocatalysts towards platinum, with technical limitations and the likely speed of the substitution hotly debated. On the other side of the equation, supply risks, they'll also be in the spotlight, whether it be due to heightened frequency and duration of load shedding in South Africa or lower than expected Russian output. Collectively, South Africa and Russia are expected to make up 83%, 78% and 91% of platinum, palladium and rhodium primary refined supply this year, uh, respectively. Given this acute concentration of supply, so same disruptions have the potential to materially tighten PGM market balances this year, but also in future years. If we think a little longer term, electric vehicle penetration rates and total vehicle fleet projections, which people often forget about, are key swing factors across the third-party projections we'll see during the week, which simulate small disparities in growth rates, often the difference between the platinum market registering sustained deficits or being an ongoing surplus. Although we've had less inbounds from clients on this topic of late, the potential platinum demand from the hydrogen economy, that will likely be discussed at length during the week, particularly given the potential for green hydrogen and the recent push towards energy independence on a global scale. What might not be discussed but in our view is a key near-term issue is platinum demand from the glass sector. Now, the glass sector has been a notable driver of platinum since 2020, as a wave of new LCD panel glass production plants have been established to meet demand for phones, TVs, computers, and also we've seen fiberglass plants to satiate the construction sector and the growing demand for wind turbine blades. Yes, platinum does benefit from wind generation. We also won't likely get much discussion around how the recent retracement in platinum and rhodium prices impact the economics of greenfield PGM mining projects. Given the nature of PGM deposits, we do see a structural challenge whereby we need more platinum supply to be brought online, but the forecast glut of palladium weighs on future project economics. In our view, this probably represents a potential upside risk to our long-term platinum price forecast, though even in the very long term, we may just have to think of platinum and palladium 
as one, being very similar in the catalysis that they can do. So it really is a busy time for London events next week. Uh, I'll also be in a panel at the Crew World Aluminium Conference on Tuesday, discussing the outlook for prices and premiums in that sector. I'll look to give some conference feedback in the next Metal Matters. To close this week, one commodity that is certainly surprising us to the upside is Cromore, where the latest spot assessment for UG2 material is being quoted at around $300 per tonne CFR China at the present time. That's about $15 a tonne over the past week. This is a level we've only seen briefly before in the history of this market. Now, while some of this is related to expectations of stainless steel output increases through mid-year and associated ferrochrome producer restock, the key reason looks to be low port inventories in China, which fast markets assess at just 1.7 million tonnes. That's down about 25% from this time last year. Cromore is markets where South Africa's issues are having a global impact. And with China's March Cromore imports down around 20% year on year, this impact could go on for the coming months. Thank you for listening to Metal Matters. I do hope you can join me next time round to discuss more pertinent issues in these ever-changing global metals about commodity markets. That was Metal Matters, presented by BMO Capital Markets Equity Research. You can subscribe to Metal Matters on Apple Podcasts and other podcast providers, or visit our website at researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com to listen to more episodes, including our other podcast series, BMO Equity Research in Tune. If you have feedback or suggestions for upcoming podcasts, please do share it with me at colin.hamilton at bmo.com. To access our full disclosures, please visit researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com forward slash public hyphen disclosure.